This episode of The Significant Others was recorded across multiple lands. We recognise and acknowledge that all of Australia is Aboriginal land and we pay our respects to Elders past, present and emerging. And this always was and always will be Aboriginal land. Personally Picked is a female-founded small business in Melbourne specialising in online personalised gift boxes. They are focused on creating really thoughtful, individualised gifts for your favourite people. Their large range of high-quality products means you'll be able to find something for everyone for every occasion. It's super simple. All you have to do is select the Build Your Gift Box option, choose your occasion, select your gifts, personalise your card, leave it with us. Made personal by you, made unforgettable by us. Find them at personallypicked.com.au or on Instagram at personallypicked. Hi, Haz. Another one down and actually like a really, really good one. I so enjoyed listening back to Lily's podcast again. Me too. It's actually one that we recorded earlier in the year between the lockdowns and we've sort of been saving it up for you. But I think I actually forgot how incredible she was so honest like so open and quite raw in telling her stories just the honesty and the purity of the way that she told her story I think really came across like I was very emotional at the time when we were with her and she told the story and and all of those emotions came up again when we when I listened to it it's probably a little bit of a different tone of podcast for us as well with that really consistent talk of mental health throughout the whole thing like just how it has impacted so many aspects of her life and who she is I'm so touched by her personal story of growth too like I think that experience of having to leave school early to then eventually becoming a teacher and not just a teacher but such an amazing engaged teacher who's really becoming the sort of teacher that she needed when she was growing up and providing that space that wasn't there. I think that that's such a wonderful story. Yeah, the full circle story of it is quite wholesome, actually. Like it, it's really satisfying. Like it's it's almost like that happy ending to a movie in some ways. Like it's it's almost too perfect to be true that she has come back around and is a school teacher and has created the safe space for LGBTIQA plus students at her school like it's it's all kind of aligned and worked out in the end well I guess it's not the end really (laughs) so she's just starting with that so absolutely and I feel like when you throw in that gorgeous love story of hers (laughs) I mean, someone should probably make the movie. It would be worth a trip to Hollywood, actually. That's so true. It has definitely got movie potential. <laughs> and the two of them together, they actually, they're, oh, they're so beautifully romantic. It just, um, it really, it really does warm your heart. Lily really got us thinking with that be the change you want to see sort of story. She really got us thinking about what sporting clubs and schools and sports and even entire sporting codes, what they can do to be more inclusive because they haven't always been. A lot of that crosses over, doesn't it? Schools and local clubs and communities and and whether that's football or any other sporting code. They give such a sense of community and you do get that at schools too, that it's so important for that community to be inclusive and supportive of all of their participants and yet how it actually relates they relate so directly in the way that we accept people and speak to people and support people. Those actions should be transferable across those places, those communities. So yeah, it was really great to get quite an esteemed expert to come on and talk to us a bit more about it. Absolutely. So we asked a beautiful friend of ours to come in and help us muse on this topic. And she spoke from her personal opinion, but also from her expert opinion as someone who's worked in this space a lot. And 
really enjoys her stuff, so we're very grateful to have her join us today. Whilst Hannah is currently the owner of Ashwood Support Services, Hannah has been a high-level athlete playing both State League, Aussie Rules, and competing for her country in the Australian National Handball Team, and was named Victoria's LGBT Athlete of the Year in 2018. She currently sits on the board at Handball Australia, as well as of the Pride Cup. Hannah has used her experiences to pen an autobiography, write articles, help university sports improve their inclusiveness, and today she joins us as an expert guest to help us break down what schools, sports and sporting clubs can do to become more welcoming places for the LGBTQIA plus community to be integral parts of. Welcome, Hannah, and thank you so much for joining us. No worries. Thanks for having me, guys. So we thought with all your expertise that you might be able to answer some questions for us. Absolutely. I'll do my best. I mean, I always say it's like I cannot speak for everyone and only me and I preface everything with that, but I can 100% do that. Hannah, can you tell us some of the work that you've been doing in this space? Like what have you been up to? What What are some of the roles that you've been working in? Yeah, I mean, so I, I guess I preface everything with the fact that I haven't deliberately sort of worked in this space, if that makes sense. It's sort of just... I have fallen into it at times and largely that's because of football, but also because look, personally, if I feel like someone is doing the wrong thing, especially if it affects me, which in a lot of the times it has, and that isn't meant to sound as selfish as it, as it might, I'm not very good at just sort of taking it. And so quite often I will speak up about it and it will get me in a bit of a fight. And I don't mean to, but it just does. You know, like with handball, you know, I've been on the board of Handball Australia for like seven or eight years now. So that was prior to me coming out, all of that. So I was already in that position to perhaps influence some sort of change or educate people there before any of that. With football, like I played all through school and stopped when I was 18, basically because handball came into the picture and I could travel and travel the world and do all sorts of stuff with that. But I started playing again really just because I wasn't in a very good place and I wanted to meet new people and it was something to do for six months and it basically just got really out of hand. Mm. And so I was thrust into this sort of position where I was being held up and put in the position of someone who was advocating for change and for people and I, I really wasn't. But through that, I did recognize that, you know, I was given that position and therefore I had a responsibility to at least try and make sure that whatever I'd been through, it was easier for other people later on. I'm on the board of Pride Cup. That is an organization which was founded five years ago to try and promote LGBT inclusivity within sport specifically. And its main driver has been through football. So that's where you have the Pride game between Sydney and St Kilda and Carlton and the Bulldogs and those sort of things and all sorts of clubs across a lot of sports having their own Pride Cups to basically make it known to their members that you know, if you're gay, trans, bi, you're welcome. So it's a really, really great initiative. Hopefully what I've been able to give to people, if I've been able to give to anything, is is not through trying to advocate for things. It's just by doing what I feel like I should do or want to do and not letting the fact that I'm trans and people might not like it stop me. And I think that's probably the thing that I've taken on board is I can probably create change the most simply just by being me and doing the things I would have done anyway. When I transitioned, it was so I could live my best life for wanting to use that overused phrase. And 
I would be really letting a lot of people down if I let being trans and what might happen stop me from doing those things. You know, the people who went through a lot when I did transition, you know, I owe it to them to really back myself and just go for it. And so I've always sort of remembered that. And so I'm hoping that's probably the biggest thing that I've been able to do. What can we do at grassroots level at every club to create more inclusive environments? It's just being treated as if you are no different to anyone else. I know it sounds really basic and it should be the first place we go to, but I think a lot of the time people overthink it. They're going, how do we be inclusive? How do we do this? How do we make them feel comfortable? Well, how would you make any new person feel comfortable? Just do that. That's literally it. But also there are places that have traditionally been maybe, you know, difficult to access for people who are anywhere on the LGBT spectrum. And not just that, but, you know, people with a disability, people from different cultural backgrounds, you know, whatever Mm. it might be that makes them different in the society that they're in. They do have to do a bit more extra work to reach out and say, hey, you know, we've recognised that in the past, things might not have been so easy. We might have done things that really could have been quite offensive or hurt feelings, but we want to make amends. And so in that instance, yeah, it doesn't hurt to go a little bit further. And that's where I think the Pride Cups and stuff come in, you know, and Ida Hobbit Day and things like that in workplaces is to say, no, no, you are welcome. Don't just let it be assumed. And what do you think about coaches and administrators, particularly of local or even of childhood teams? What do you think they can do to really make sure that they're educated and ready for any type of person who wants to join? I think this is really important because a lot of the time in this space, you know, ignorance can quite often be used as an excuse. When there are resources out there, I know the Sports Commission has resources out there for LGBT education. There's like organizations like Pride Cup, Proud to Play, you know, who can do that. Just go out of your way to try and maybe educate yourself and not just about LGBT issues, but that's where I'm at. But you might have a player who you know, comes from a different cultural background. So, you know, educate yourself about that and, and take some initiative to do it. Seek out, you know, people to talk to who might be able to educate you a bit more than maybe those resources can and listen. Like that's the biggest thing because if you're going to put yourself in a position where you're responsible for a group of kids or teenagers or whatever it might be, you need to understand that of that group of 10 or 20 or 30, you know, you're going to have 10 or 20 or 30 different people and you need to be able to not understand everything about them, understand what's important about them because at the end of the day, what you know now might be really good for 20 of them but not the other 10. Relates really perfectly, I suppose, into school settings as well and teachers sort of having to take on, you know, that responsibility to have an understanding and educate themselves further in this space and being a good support person and something that Lily is doing is creating a whole space at her school. Is that something that you would have seen as yourself as a teenager potentially accessing? Yeah, I think so. It's sort of hard to know because at the same time, I didn't have the language at the time to really know what I was. I don't know if I would have accessed it, but I certainly would have taken in things by osmosis probably would have made given me a better understanding of who I was and that it was okay to be who I was because that's the, that's the thing, you know, I, you know, I mean, I, I came out and I was 24, 25 and even then I really didn't think it was necessarily okay. I just knew I had to do it. And it's still something now where I know I am okay to be me and it's all okay. But, you know, the things that are said, you know, they, they stick with you from a young age and, you know, especially, you know, growing up in a country town, a private school, you know, being gay wasn't okay. Being different wasn't okay. And so 
I think you definitely were taken in things by osmosis and I'm still now coming to accept people are okay with who you are. You know, if you want to wear this, you can. Whereas at the moment I'm still sort of going, oh, I don't want to upset people. I don't want it to be hard for people. And, you know, I'm 30 years old. I've had my name and photos splashed across the paper. I think the hardest things have probably been done, but I'm still at that point. So I think if it can change that mindset really early in young people, it'll make their life a lot easier later on. What do you think about sport at an elite level? And you did talk about Pride Cup, which is super. But what more can we be doing at an elite level? Look, I think at an elite level, and this extends to club level, to like lower levels, is by and large, everyone is really, really excited accepting you know so the players the coaches they don't care you know and so I mean you're always going to get one or two but you know like by and large everyone's fine I think the bigger controversy at the moment and it it obviously is trans women that people are concerned about and I totally understand why is around you know the competitive advantage and things like that but I think at the same time there's a couple of real basics that we need to get past and that is people are not going to transition just to play women's sport yeah. Like that <laughs> does my head in. It's not going to happen. You know, and, and the thing is too is I think if people actually took a step back and look at what happens to your body mm. when you do, you know, undergo hormone treatments and surgeries and things like that, it's a really big shift and it's easy to understand, but we don't have that understanding. So that if you actually look at it as a big picture, elite sport needs to get its head around what actually mm. happens to your body first. And accept that because at the moment there's a lot of people who you tell them that and they go, yeah, well, of course you'd say that. Well, yeah, but you can also test it if you want. Yeah. Like feel free. <laughs> and, and you know what? I, you know, I am totally for measures being in place to make sure that, you know, there aren't those performance advantages there because there is a reason men and women's sport is separate. But the biggest driver of that is testosterone. Yeah. And I can tell you trans women – pre-surgery or post-surgery have less testosterone than the women they're competing against. Like I don't have any, there's not enough to measure. It sells the women really short. And to be honest, like you will be able to tell if someone rocks up, benches 140 kilos, you know what? Yeah, that's probably a bit of an outlier, but it's also not going to happen. So, you know, and, and I think too, in this argument, we need to take outliers into consideration, you know, like I, and, Sabrina is a really good example. Me and Sabrina are the same height. There was a girl who was drafted by Melbourne last week who was 190 centimetres. Melbourne's had one for a couple of years. Geelong's had one for a couple of years who are taller than me, but I'm too tall because I'm above the average, but the other girls who aren't above the average aren't too tall. So you actually need to take into account, you know, sometimes people are just tall. You know, people will play at the level that's appropriate to them. And, you know, it's it's really weird in the sense that like people going, oh, you're only good because you're trans. I'm like, well, I, I played for Australia for like five years before I transitioned. So it's really, it's really confusing, but this is where it comes back to is that gender expectation where I think men still feel like they need to protect women and not recognizing that, you know, they can look after themselves, you know, just fine. You know, I've 99.9% of the comments I have come from men and by and large men saying that, you know, so it's just a really interesting thing. And and people then always turn around and go, oh yeah, well, of course the girls aren't going to say anything. They're intimidated. I'm like, all right, whatever. We can go around in circles. We're never going to win. You are listening to the Significant Others podcast. I found that for me, football 
changed my mental health so significantly. I started playing after the year after I'd had George and I'm massive on team sport. I don't exercise on my own own very much. Like I just don't have any motivation. I need, you know, all of the people around me. (laughs) I love going and I loved playing. And for my mental health, it was a a massive game changer for me when I did start playing. So I can imagine, you know, if that becomes a different different environment for some people that they don't feel well supported being there, it's it's kind of taken away a, a very positive and very common way to make yourself feel better with playing sport. Yeah. You know, like this policy they've just launched, you know, it's it's designed to be more inclusive, but the problem is there's a lot of people now who are not going to be able to play football because what has essentially happened is the requirements to play AFLW, they've now extended to a whole bunch of competitions around Australia. There's a whole bunch of women, you know, trans women who are not going to, they're not going to want to do it, especially, you know, because it's really, really invasive and it's a really long process. And I feel really awful about that because they're going to miss out. And so I, I, I get it. Like, I totally understand. It's like, it's just that place you can go. No one cares who you are, you know, yeah. what you do, how much, how little money you have, you know, how old you are, how good you are, how bad you are. You're one of them and you've got 44 other people who've got your back and that's really all you need to know. Like, and it's such an amazing environment. I think you've given us lots to think about, Han, and I feel like what we all really want is for everybody to get that experience because I, I totally agree. I feel like the season that I played football, that women's football was this unbelievably supportive environment. I even felt like, you know, sometimes the opposition players were trying to help me out and um, it was just such an amazing thing to be a part of. We'd both like to thank you um, for joining us and, and helping us to talk about this, but also for doing your thing and, and helping other people to feel that way in sports clubs and, and continuing to do what you do. No, it's awesome. I, I honestly love chatting to you guys, but I feel sort of bad because I am not anyone's significant other and have held <laughs> the record for the longest drought in history. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm sort of, I'm ruining the title here. <laughs> But thank you. You do you bring a wealth of experience in this field. And yeah, thank you for sharing and thank you for just enlightening us a little further. No, thank you so much, guys. I love your pod. Oh, thanks, Han. <laughs> thank you for listening to the Significant Others podcast. If you have any suggestions of guests you'd like us to interview, please let us know and come follow us on Instagram at the Significant Others podcast. 